Thank you for joining us for the Unconference. This week we'll be talking about how we build our own skills as GCC members and professionals. Some of us find peer mentoring within different GCC committees, while others do this on our own campuses. We talk about how we, like our clients, sometimes need motivation. And for one of our co-hosts, that motivation is competition. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm Roseanne. Hey, I'm Ermola. Hi, I'm T. Hello, I'm Joseph. As we think about our own uh, skills, do we have right now similar opportunities to, to practice skills building in the same way, right? So whether on our campuses or through the GCC, uh, we get a lot of content given to us in, in some of these sessions, which I think is great. But right now, I don't think there's as much skills building opportunity in that way. And, you know, I think the mentoring program is one aspect of that. But what does skills building look like for professionals in the same way? Is that something that we need more of or just doesn't fit to based on where we are in the in that professional journey that we're all on? I just want to respond because I had a couple of feelings about this last GCC, which is that just the awareness that there's so many people with so many different kinds of trainings there. So like when the, I went to a bunch of the evaluation, the programs where people had PhDs in evaluation and then they were, you know, they had these super complex and sort of impressive ways they were going about their looking at things. But I was like, I don't, I, it's not skill building for me. It's like, oh, that's so cool. And yet it's so unrealistic that I will be doing that and also doing my best at DNI and doing my programming and doing whatever else things I do. And so, so that, that was just a reaction I had to some of the things I saw. So I think the, I was thinking about the, the mentoring program as a way to sort of resolve this. I mean, obviously people who've been in the GCC for longer are the mentors and there are mentees who are learning from that. But as a, I was trying to sort of picture how I would leverage a sort of a mentoring environment or experience. And, and the way oftentimes that I see mentors is that I, I don't necessarily want to have a long in-depth conversation with someone, but I want to see something that someone else is doing that I can do and then compete with them without them knowing that I'm competing with them to do the same thing, but in my way and, and learn from them in a sort of a, a, a competitive way not necessarily a, a mutually supportive way I, not that that's bad but it's just I, I don't necessarily you know it, it's about wanting to achieve wanting to be seen that i can do that i just haven't done it yet and now i see that it's it, it's doable i want to do it i often have i think these competitions with people who don't know that i'm competing with them if i'm walking from work to the train station again you know it's that whole idea of i beat this person and they had no idea that they're racing with me but i still won and so you know in a mentoring environment i, I like that idea of being <laughs> exposed to all these things that are, that are out there um, and then maybe learning by myself how to do that i, I feel like you gamified you might like, turned it into games and that's definitely one way to do it i think right gamification of it some sort of a competitive edge bringing in other people i think skill building for, for professionals there needs to be a willing community, a goal of some sort of improvement, depending on the person, right? And their levels are going to be different. Um, commitment to do the work together, and then some sort of a way to build the habit and meet very consistently. So kind of bridging, Roseanne, what you were saying about that, um, that group of the um, social scientists, and then this habit building, 
there is um, a writing group that they meet 12, you know, for 12 weeks and at the end learn how to incorporate these different aspects of research and write. Um, there's people with PhDs in social sciences, people who are, have done it, but then they need to learn the writing, people who are in the very beginning. And so kind of like this men like inter-mentoring and, and consistency, I think maybe just more working groups would be a way to achieve that. Yeah, are you talking about the group within the uh, research, which is within the evaluation committee, like the writing group that has started within the committee? Got it. Full disclosure, I'm a part of the group. <laughs> I think the point about GCC being a place where we can um, develop skills is, of course, perfectly central to its purpose. And one that I forget until this conversation, because we, we've been talking about with students, how do we balance or how do we choose when we're doing content versus when we're doing skill building? And I think the one way to, to resolve that could be for us to have a conversation across the organization um, about what it is that people want to get better at um, and then what it is that people can then offer so essentially, I think it's the mentoring program, but at a larger scale and at maybe less depth and more breadth and for um, maybe more specific and one-off kinds of things. I felt similarly uh, overwhelmed at times, as I, I think I said before, about the, the level of knowledge around evaluation um, and the, the, the basically the gap between what I was learning and how well, how, how easily I would be able to do that myself. And that was, that, that chasm I think is, it can be challenging when you're going to workshops and the, I would say the, for me, the success is to what extent can I participate in the thing that I'm learning? Uh, but I think that, you know, and I don't know a lot about what went into the conference planning, but I would imagine that this year, this focus was also a, a trying to maybe do two things, both help us as GCC members understand uh, what we're doing and how to evaluate what we're doing and um, what outcomes we're producing, but also to present that GCC members and the work that GCC members do is important and it has been vetted and is um, credibly so. And so I think, I, I, I'm curious when that, when you're trying to do kind of, you're trying to meet multiple goals to both help us internally get better at things or um, develop our skills or um, celebrate our interests and create community and then also to represent almost externally, this is how we operate, um, this is what we're doing. We do um, important, uh, you know, valid work that should be taken seriously. Uh, I'm not sure that that was part of the conversation, but I think that assessment and evaluation and collecting data, I think a lot of that speaks to making sure our work is important and, and taken seriously. Um, so with all of that said, the, what, I, what I think could be useful, uh, what I would love for workshops to be is, this one might be radical. This is part of a proposal that Laura Schramm and I um, submitted, which did not get accepted, which was fine for the, for the virtual conference. Uh, but we proposed that the session itself had to involve the participants doing something active in the session and actually making a decision about a program that they're doing. So we were going to use design thinking to help people reevaluate and redesign their one day conferences like the 
like beyond academia or PhD pathways or the Grad Futures Forum, those kinds of events, that's arbitrary. That's just what we were interested in. Um, but I think what we were excited about was that in an hour, could we get everybody to move even a tiny step forward on their own work um, in the session itself? Um, and so that our, so in, in a way to keep us in check in terms of content. But those are the kinds of things that we could think about um, in terms of workshop design and, and whether that's with my students, myself, or us as GCC members, I think, which is do people move forward a little bit in their own work, whether it's a question that's being posed or a exercise that you're doing on your own or a breakout room conversation that you're having. And we may really have to think about that even more now if we are going virtual for some time. Ultimately, we're just a reflection of our of our own students that we work with, right? We we engage with workshops in the same way that they do. The things that we struggle with in terms of assessment and evaluation, they struggle with in terms of interviewing and networking, right? So I, I think sometimes we forget that you know we are the we are the same types of individuals, and and we we benefit from things that match our that match our perspective and our our, our inner workings. Um, T to your point, you you said you know. Um, that the key is to get people to want to make a behavioral change or something along those lines. My question is, is sort of one step before that, how do you get people to want to make a change, right? So what is, what is the thing that drives them to that first step? Okay. To me, it's, I saw an article, how do you help your clients who are stuck? And this, I feel like draws the, to the thing that Irma's talking about and, and Joseph, right? Like we are basically humans who learn and, and behave in similar ways. So how are we stuck? And so I feel like that piece before about how do you change behavior is to understand where you're stuck and what are the fears that are driving that stuckness and then creating a forward vision of this is what it would look like if I wasn't unstuck. So then you reframe that negative um, ne negativity around a situation to the visioning of this is this could this is what I could achieve and then give the confidence to move forward because I think there's this innate thing that could be missing from the conversation, which is like you have it in you to take the next step, right? Like Irma, like you may feel like listening to all these things or or Roseanne, like listening to all these experts, like how do I get started? But I don't know, I innately believe that with your intuitions and all the knowledge and talents and, and experiences that you've accumulated, you know what the next best step would be to engage in that. So then what is the fear around not doing it? What is, you know, the barriers? And then what do you want to achieve? And I don't know, that's how I would build it. Who's ready for coaching with tea? <laughs> I need your time management class. I mean, the first thing I just think of is like, what trade-off will I make if I work on this one angle for the other things that I also need to focus on and get done? I always used to crack up how many emails I would get at Mich when I was at Michigan about like the number of sessions I could go to on time management. And I was like, nobody has time for these. That's why they're not managing their time. They, they're not going to these sessions because they haven't made the time. Like chicken or egg. Chicken and the egg. <laughs> what? <laughs> and neither of us is a chicken expert. I think there are, in, I think in terms of content knowledge and behavioral change. Joseph, your point about uh, we are just like our students, what it helped me think about was this distinction I sometimes make between content and behavior. While I think it's 
accurate when we're talking about things like you know how do you interview um you actually have to do it like that's how you like how do you exercise you exercise by exercising um i think that the part of this is actually i think just growing up in an academic family and just having like lots of people in my life who are experts at a thing that i'm not and so you're helping me realize that it's actually just a little bit probably just like a personal barrier which is I don't know how to make a survey because I know that there's somebody who took a, uh, like a survey methodology class and like I live in a family of social scientists. And so for me to ever claim that I can collect data and evaluate it properly, I always think that there's somebody who knows how to do it better because in fact, in a lot of ways there are, <laughs> but I, I lose touch with the fact that I just want to know how people are doing and what I can do better. And I, and so returning to that goal and, or, or I think T, as you said, kind of going back to your instinct, like what is the instinct that you have and what are you trying to get done with your goal? I think that, I think that is going to be key, especially as we're doing this work and moving ever towards kind of, I would describe almost as, you know, kind of like academic notions of, of success. This data and evaluation, all this stuff is really, it's, it's saying GCC does this work in an academically viable uh, and legible and credible environment. And I don't actually want us to move so far away from our own instincts, you know, so. It's almost like the difference between being student-centered versus being faculty or research-centered in terms of what's, what's moving you in your, the work you're applying. You know, for me, it's really hard to, I mean, in the end, I just want to help students, right? So. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's not that I don't get the value of presenting data and making yourself more valued by other aspects of the institution because you need them on board to really then actually be able to help the students. But to me, it seems like there's a little bit of just what, where are you starting from that motivates you then helps you decide those other things. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Unconference. Join us next time for more conversations. Dr. Barber, is it the chicken or the egg? The uh, egg came first because two chicken-like organisms created an organism with a blending of the DNA that then led to a chicken, more of a chicken-like chicken than the previous chickens were. So it's always the the egg is more like the chicken than the chickens before it because they are less like the chicken. <laughs> the egg. I the chicken answer. Egg. Done. <laughs>